0: And we're recording again because Matt keeps interrupting.
1: That is not why. (laughs) Let it be known, audience members. It is because we had
0: technical technical difficulties. difficulties. I'm going to make that all verbed
1: out. I'm going to make that
0: so verbed out. technical difficulty was that matt kept interrupting it's technically the truth but you know whatever it's fine it's fine hey welcome to the tangent i'm father sam kachuba and this is matt's Veraza. oh man it's gonna be great okay uh today we had the chance to interview debbie cowden author along with her husband dave of the prayer book for retired parents yes. you should really go get this book because it's yeah i couldn't of all, really suggest cool. it enough yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm hoping that she will take our suggestion to heart. That not only should there be a prayer book for tired parents, she should also franchise this out and, and make like a whole a whole yes. scheme of prayer book for tired people of various stripes and sorts. I think. Yeah, we I think we, we've we got suggested
1: we suggested she make an empire. Yeah, yeah. That so, was that was our contribution If it happens. It started here, folks.
0: I would call us Empire Builders, the power behind the throne, if you will.
1: The power uh, behind the throne. Yeah. Episode name.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not afraid of that idea. Uh, but really, it, it wasn't just the book that we talked about. And, and obviously, like, that's kind of the fun thing. We, we've talked to a lot of people who have published books, but... The the point is not really the book I find, and I think have we tricked people into coming onto the tangent to get them to talk about their book, but we really talk to them about other things as well.
1: No, well, we cover their book a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but
0: is it like is it dishonest? Because like I really enjoyed talking no. with Debbie about culture and building up a Catholic culture and family life and, and all yeah, of but that that's
1: stuff. the that's the that's the baseline for the book. You know, that's the background. Yeah. So we address the issue behind the book, and yep. we are the power behind the throne. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look, I, I know she said you don't have to be a social media influencer or a Pinterest mom, but like I, I kind of feel like we're we're helping to influence and, and that's that's a yeah. fun thing. But well,
1: neither of us are Pinterest moms. So, you know, we'll never have that going for us.
0: That's true. I'm I'm still not entirely certain what Pinterest is, but back when you were in high school, young man, I had to go to a, a teacher faculty development thing with a whole bunch of other, other teachers and so I was sitting there uh-huh. and the speaker kept talking about Pin Interest and she didn't know that it was pronounced Pinterest. <laughs> and so all of the young faculty were cracking up. And I didn't know what it was either, but I knew that it was pronounced Pinterest. Uh, yeah, and, sure. And so we were all just laughing about that. Anyway. We've
1: had faculty meetings about AI robots <laughs> for uh, write, writing writing our, <laughs> writing our students' essays for them. So that, that'll that tell you how the world's changed.
0: Well, let's stay away from the AI robots and from the Pinterest. AI robots. And the, the pin interests. And uh, just, uh, just listen to, to the tangent today. Debbie Cowden. Yeah amazing guest the prayer book for tired parents go buy it okay we're on great hey debbie welcome to the tangent thank you for doing this
2: thank you for having me i'm thrilled
0: um you know what just happened like siri started talking to me it was weird <laughs> and i was not expecting that at all i think I was because like, i why? said i was like I think why, it was why are we pausing because <laughs> like, i said i said hey and and so like Siri decided to jump in. So just in case you think the government's not listening to us, they definitely are. Well, good. I uh, have
2: yeah. some things to tell them. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yes. What That's do you awesome. want to know,
1: government? We want to introduce you to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hey, that could work. <laughs>
0: Oh, this is great. Debbie, again, thank you. Um, I don't know if you could hear that or if, if uh, Siri cut me off there, but Debbie, thank you for jumping on here and joining us on the tangent. I'm really excited to have you and to uh, talk about your, your new book, uh, The Prayer Book for Tired Parents. That's what it's called, right? The Prayer Book for Tired Parents. I'm, I'm getting is. that right.
2: You got it right.
1: Perfect.
0: Well then, Debbie, I'd like to say, how are you? But I, I'm more interested in who are you?
2: That's the question. you know. People people have been saying, who are you? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And my inclination is to say, well, I don't really want to tell you about myself because it's not really about me, but I suppose for context. And so I have some sort of credibility. Uh, My name is Debbie Cowden, and I am the Senior Digital Media Specialist at EWTN Global Catholic Network. I run their social media. I write some articles for our our programming email publications. Um, I host the Catholic Sphere, which airs on Thursday. So you'll see me once a month on Thursdays talking to super cool Catholics who are trying to live out their faith. Uh, And I'm also a wife of almost eight years, a mother of three kids, ages two, four, and six, and I'm eight weeks pregnant with baby number four. So you can consider this like the
1: global debut or the the global pregnancy announcement
2: (laughs) because I've not said it on the air yet.
0: Oh,
1: Uh, oh. we are honored. We are going to name our episode. (laughs) episode. Mm after Debbie Cowden, (laughs) Global Debut. That's awesome. Have, have um, you like
0: told told other people too, or is like this the first like big public announcement, or like yeah. are yeah. also the first ones to know besides your husband? Like, because that would well, really does really your husband know? Us. It's <laughs> not
2: it's not Facebook official yet. Um, I did okay. mention it on one of our shows that airs. You know, we wanted to keep it quiet, but then also at the same time, it's so so beautifully in line with who we are, who we I guess branded ourselves as as the tired Catholic parents because. Um praise God this is only like day 3 of of like horrific gnarly morning sickness where I'm like I don't know if I can do this but then I'm reminded first of all I don't have a choice I have to do it um but then secondly that that God is using me in this moment and he's mm-hmm. using this morning sickness he's using this fatigue as an opportunity to grow in holiness, uh, to pray for my children, to offer up my suffering. And that's really at the heart of what we want to encourage other parents to do as well, that that your vocation has a purpose and that all the there, there's plenty of good. There's so much good in your vocation as, as a spouse and as a parent, but also um, with all of the suffering, that's good too. And we want them to see those hard moments and those times where they don't feel like they can keep going. That they absolutely can. So that's so, what I'm more focused on than talking about myself.
1: <laughs> I want to talk about other people. <laughs> so, so just to just to be clear, are you saying that that parents should openly struggle in front of their children?
2: We absolutely should, um, and it shouldn't be with a spirit of resentment or, um, you know, a, a spirit of frustration toward God. Um, but it really is an opportunity to show your kids what it means to suffer well. So I'm having conversations right. with my with my six-year-old about what morning sickness is and about how over the next couple weeks, I'm going to feel really dizzy and I'm going to feel kind of sick. And um, and she chimed in. She wants to be a Carmelite, by the way, my six-year-old. Wow. And yes. so as I'm Praise explaining God. what's happening awesome. to my body, she leans over and just with this cute little grin that she always gives me, she goes, well, that's another reason I want to be a religious sister. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, we're gonna talk about this. We'll talk about this more later. Right. But, yeah, that's that's she, a later she,
1: conversation.
2: It is a much a much later conversation. <laughs> but we can we can talk about how we're pushing through the hard times and and she knows about offering up joys and sufferings. And I can tell her that, you know, I'm I'm offering up my morning sickness for our baby, that our baby will be holy wow. and love Jesus, and that's something that she gets. And so it is important for our kids to see us suffer so long as we do it through the lens of our catholic faith right. which is so mm-hmm. cool and and it puts everything in perspective yeah.
1: right right now is she is does she understand the concept of offering suffering up like she's, she's got a grasp on that
2: yeah and the the way that we explain that to her this was the first year that she really got it um, we have a baby jesus in a manger that's about this big you know the size of like a normal newborn baby and he comes with the little manger and during advent we started um We we started asking her and all of us, we agreed that we were going to make small sacrifices or do extra good deeds to prepare for baby Jesus is coming. And the way that we showed that tangibly for her was little strips of brown construction paper. And every time she made a little sacrifice or did a good deed, she would say that she was offering this for love of Jesus and for poor souls. And so she'd take a little strip of paper and she'd lay it in the manger and then the idea was we wanted to do as many good deeds and make as many sacrifices as possible so that Jesus would have a nice comfy bed when he was born. Right, yeah. And so you wouldn't believe, like she gave up ketchup, she gave up maple <laughs> syrup on her pancakes she was doing extra wow. chores and and vowing not to complain about doing her math lessons
1: wow because
2: she knew that it was all to make a comfy bed for jesus and you you would not believe how excited she was on christmas morning when we opened our first present which was jesus the true gift of christmas and she got to lay him in the manger that was padded to, like we ran out of strips of paper <laughs> just padded so lovingly with her deeds throughout advent so I think she gets it as much as a six year old can. And it is so cool to see, even how that's carried on through Lent, too, that she can make these little sacrifices for love mm-hmm. of Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's yeah. so cool. I'm taking <laughs> notes just so you know. <laughs> yeah. I just wrote down the word manger because I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal all your ideas.
2: Take them. Take them. Good artists. all sorts of ideas in the prayer book for tired years. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Ways to grow in love with God and get your family to heaven. We just want to spell it out and, and make it as easy for parents to understand that when you are living out your faith, And when your children are seeing you live out your faith, that's what's going to stick for them. So like Mm -hmm. she may not remember all of the little arts and crafts that we did in homeschooling and she may not remember all of the elaborate family vacations that we go on. We don't really go on that many elaborate vacations, but I want her to remember that her parents loved Jesus and introduced her to Jesus and helped her cultivate a relationship with Jesus. That's the most important thing.
1: That's awesome. Beautiful. That's awesome.
0: You know, I, th- I think that ketchup for some six-year-olds is kind of a constitutive element of their diet. So for her to give up ketchup, that's a, that's yeah, a real sacrifice. On. And so she knows it, yeah. And I think you're right that she's able to understand as much as a six-year-old can what that sacrifice entails. But then that you give her the, the tangible thing to have that, that opportunity to put the strip of paper in the manger, to make the bed for Jesus, then she's applying the, the concept in a very concrete way for her. And that that seems to make all the difference. It it makes it really more alive, more incarnate.
2: It really does. And that's another reason our Catholic faith is so conducive to child development too, because I mean, when we take them to mass, she also prefers a high mass over like a low mass. We're Latin mass Catholics. We go, we go anywhere. We'll go to Spanish mass if we have to, just so we can get to daily mass. But on Sundays, um, you know, we're, we're at our, our parish, which has mass in the extraordinary form. And she tells me that she prefers the high mass because she likes the choir and the incense. And so she recognizes that when she's at mass, she's somewhere special and that something amazing is happening. And there are a lot of ways that we can incorporate the the sensory elements or those tangible items into our faith. You don't have to be like a social media influencer or a Pinterest mom in order to make the faith come alive for your kids. And so we just wanna offer that encouragement to parents that, that it's those little things that you do, the little strips of paper. I mean, it was so simple. I spent $0 on that. And it's got it's an amazing reward.
0: Can we yeah. make that the title? You don't have to be a social media influencer or a Pinterest mom. Like just that's the title of the episode. That's great. Right. Or you $0, $0 spiritual reward. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Hey, so as we're, as we're talking about this, um, there was a time before your children. There was a time when you and your husband uh, were preparing for all this. Talk to us a little bit about how how you guys discerned your vocation to marriage together.
2: Well, this is great because this is coming on the 10-year anniversary of us starting to date, awesome. which is
0: pretty cool. Congratulations. And
2: um, we knew—so he was in the process of coming into the church already when we met. I did not convert him. He was well on that path on his own. And we knew each on our own that we wanted to be open to life and we wanted to have as many children as God would bless us with. Um, we also knew that whoever we were going to marry had to be very committed to their faith and the way that God connected us is just nothing short of miraculous because I had, I'd given up on dating and I was getting ready to move out of state, uh, graduate from college, all of that. And then he just literally plopped Dave into my lap, um, which is another story for another day, unless you really want to know, but as we re- tangent.
0: we can do it, this on is what tangent, we do. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: um as as we started dating, it was long distance when I had started working for EWTN and that gave us a really great opportunity to get to know each other as friends and just be completely removed physically outside of like when we would go and visit each other, each other each other's families. But I got to see pretty quickly that Dave was committed to his faith. And that even as a new Catholic, he had this beautiful enthusiasm, and he wanted to go deeper and deeper. And as somebody who's a cradle Catholic, I was really intrigued by that. Um, I'm sorry, I think my I think I just got an email. You have Siri, I have emails. It's never.
1: That's <laughs> <been> so- <laughs> okay. My wife actually just texted me a question to ask you, so we'll get to that too. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm happy to answer anything that she wants. Um,
2: but you know, so we we got pregnant with our eldest pretty much right after. Uh, right after we got married and it was right at the same time as the world meeting of families And it was so cool because I got to meet saint gianna's daughter As part of my job at the world meeting of families and I told her that I was pregnant and that if we have a daughter We're gonna name her after her mom saint gianna who is my confirmation saint and in her sweetest little voice Dr. Gianna Manuel mola says it makes me so happy to hear that people benefit from the prayers of my mother and i'm like I want that for my family that that even as adults, they would be like, I love my mother so much and she is so holy and I love that other people want to be holy because of her. Um, so then we ended up having a daughter and, of course, named her Gianna. And then I got to introduce her to St. Gianna,
1: which is so cool. Wow, <laughs> wow that's I know awesome. I'm going on a
2: tangent, but um, great. It, it, But to, to bring it full circle, uh, we had no idea that having a child was going to change us the way that it had. Because we thought that we were really good Catholics. I was working for EWTN. Dave's a new convert, he's serving mass. We are praying together, going to mass together, trying to do everything the right way. And then this sweet little precious eight and a half pound bundle of cuteness comes along and just derails it basically. And I mean, derails in the best way because, I mean, you want to be stripped of your vices. You want to be stripped of your selfishness and your attachments. Having a baby is the easiest way to do it because it will push you to your limits, but in your in, in the best way. It will break you down, but in the best way. And it will challenge your marriage in the best way, too, because I have never been so angry or like felt so much feeling of of anger and frustration as when I was a postpartum woman.
0: Mm.
2: And so Matt, these are some good conversations to have with your wife to prepare for these things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but seeing it on the other side, I'm like, wow, God, God was really stripping me of a lot of the things that I did not need in my life. And a lot of my behaviors and habits that were not good. And um, I feel like I'm <laughs> now, now that I'm getting ready to have baby number four, um, I can see I can see how how marriage and family life sanctify souls.
0: Yeah, and it's I, so cool. Now, Matt, when when you guys started dating, were were was Renee already Catholic or was she on the way or did you did you? Drag no, her
1: in? Renee was not Catholic when we started dating. Um, and and she wasn't on the way. Um, that was that was a it was an interesting process. I mean, at one point, after like three months of me hitting over her, her over the head with apologetics. uh it's
0: and a great way you know, to date by the way yeah really? yeah terrible yeah. it was it Just was en- awful for our engage in theological debates worked. and argument as <laughs> yeah. often as possible it was yeah. awful it for work. our friendship <laughs> well
1: it worked when she finally said to me we can't talk about this anymore i promise i'm looking into it <laughs> <I> was like <laughs> oh, wow. and i was like okay and we didn't talk about it for 6 months like sh- i we did not speak about it unless she brought it up uh, and but but you know what? god in his wisdom he knew that that was the only way it was going to stick like it couldn't have happened because of me um and it got to the point where she wanted to be she wanted to be catholic and she couldn't get into an rcia and we were Mm -hmm. like what the heck how is this even a possibility that you want to be catholic but can't become catholic uh, but I remember very distinctly her just like looking at me one day and basically screaming the words, "I just want to be Catholic." And then, with like a week later, she had gotten into an RCIA, and it was like I had just like I had mentioned it to one of my friends, and he was like, "Oh, I know a DRE. I'll just call her," and that was how it happened, you know. Man. But but yeah, it was it was it was a different process, but but a, a good one and the right one, you know, the right one for us.
2: Amen. And I don't want to be the one to start asking you questions, but how are you preparing for a baby?
1: So that's the thing. It's 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 funny because I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question with a question. Uh, my my <laughs> the question my wife wanted me to ask you was, do you have any advice on prioritizing marriage before having young kids? Um, but I probably should answer your question, and the the answer that I have is I'm not doing very much. <laughs>
2: She's doing all the work. She's literally carrying the load. I know.
1: I I feel like I should be doing more. I feel bad about it. But but I've talked to some guys who like they have I say some guys, not just like random people on the street, people I'm very close to and respect, you know, a great amount. Um who have like a a kid or two kids. And I've said like what did you do to prepare and they were like nothing. Nothing could have prepared me for this. <laughs> so, so I, I I think the the thing that I want to do, uh, and 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 I mean in a very complimentary way, uh, reading your book really kind of kicked my butt to it a little bit. Uh, I was like, man, we gotta pray more together. And you know, we I like I've been wanting to get holy water f- fonts for for our bedroom and for like the front door for like six months now. You know, and I just never acted on it. Put them on your registry. Um, you don't need bottle
2: warmers or mm, sterilizers or like mm. muslin swaddles. Get holy water falls.
1: <laughs> I love it. I'm so bet. serious. No,
2: yeah. I mean that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. You need it because because there are gonna be times where you're gonna see that you know that your wife seems like a completely different person because she's gonna have she's gonna have the postpartum hormones. She's gonna be exhausted. She's good her body is going to be hurting in so many ways. She may feel like a failure at sometimes, or that she's not doing enough. Um, I don't know what your division of labor is among the home, but I just want you to know that my husband does pretty much all the dishes. He does pretty much all the cooking. He does most of the laundry, at least like pushing it through. He's really stepped up as a servant leader and he just, he's become so well attuned to what I need and he responds to that need. And that has strengthened our marriage in ways that I can't even begin to describe. Right. Because he doesn't right. have this mindset that, like, okay, well, you're the wife. You have to do everything. Cause I'm also, right. I also work full time for a very important apostolate. But, but to be able to recognize that, like, the emotions that come out or that sometimes the things that are said, even because hormones are crazy and they do that. that, that this is your wife that you married because you yeah. love her and you would be willing to, to go to the cross for her and that you would be going into battle for her. And that's what the postpartum period is. It's a battle, but you're not fighting against her. You're fighting alongside her.
1: Right. And, and for there are her. so
2: many ways that, and for her, there are yeah. so many ways that you can serve her. Even if it's just like, Getting her a diet coke, or like I don't right. know, if spot, but like rubbing <laughs> her feet, going to the store and getting yeah. all of the postpartum things, cooking her whatever she wants, and reminding her that that she is responding to her vocation with love,
1: right? And yeah,
2: and pray for her and let you let her see you praying for her, and pray with her even when she's not in the mood to pray, even if she just wants to stay quiet, and you're just sitting yeah. there praying next to her yeah you have so many opportunities to be a saint as
1: a new dad and i'm I mean, very it's, excited it's, for you it's yeah it's something i i can't wait for uh and and the idea that i should be a servant for her uh brought back something in my mind that my spiritual director told me this this past week so i, I have two jobs um and as a result of having two jobs i am abs and i'm in grad school right so i am swamped with time uh, He's a
2: tired parent and his baby has been I'm a tired born parent. <laughs> my kid's not here yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know it's bad when I, I've, I've, I have a joke that I tell people, which is that when this kid's here, I'm finally going to get some rest. Obviously, I know that's not true, but, but that's how it feels sometimes. Um, But my, my spiritual director said to me, cause I said to him, you know, I can't do, I don't think I can do two jobs next year. I just don't think that's, I don't think that's the way to go about starting a marriage. Cause we, I mean, we've only been married for Oh man, the last time I, we had an interview, I didn't yeah, remember how long you keep, the, you keep long messing it had up been. how long you've been married. I keep Come on, you can up. do this. I think it's you eight and a this. half months now. <laughs> but so we're we're newly married, you know. Um, but but Father Joseph Gill, who has a show on Veritas Catholic Network, Restless, shout out Father Joseph Gill, um, said I think to that's me, "Matt, it's the second
0: time we've done that for him. <laughs> yeah, I think he he's owes a shouting one. us out. Yeah, yeah, he's got to start uh, talking about the tangent." All right. <laughs> Sorry, that's a tangent. I'm sorry, Debbie. It's okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Father Joseph Gill said, he said, Matt, too many women uh, suffer because of men's dreams. And what he meant by that was, too many men go about saying, Oh, like, even, even with good intentions, I want to do this apostolate and I want to do, you know, and I want to work here and, and take up all their time and then not help out their family. And so he was like, You, mm. like, your primary vocation is being a husband and being a father. And and one of my jobs is being a teacher and I've said, you know, I feel bad like I feel like I've had a good influence on these kids and he said you have but you've been given one soul right now that you need to help form in a very a much more permanent fashion. And I was like, wow, you are saying everything I need to hear right now. Amen. Well, having, having that
2: mentality is going to take you far in life because this is something Dave and I feel so strongly about. Um, I was an overachiever in middle school, high school, and college. I was literally doing everything because I thought that the most important thing was that I made an impact on the world by going out and doing other things. And ironically, I discovered providentially, really, that the greatest way that I could make a difference was inside the home. Mm -hmm. And that all of these things that I thought I was doing for good, like I was, I was a youth minister and I helped out with vacation Bible schools and I did, I literally did all of the things, but it was taking away from my prayer life. And then when I was married, I realized that I First of all, I didn't really have the time to do all of those things, but that I had a greater calling. And that's not to say that those things aren't good because they are, but it's too easy nowadays to fall into the idea that we have to busy ourselves, like getting our kids involved in all of these extracurricular activities, being involved in all the groups. You know, my husband's a fourth degree Knight of Columbus, and that's pretty much the only thing that he does. And I'm in the altar rosary society at church, and that's all I do really outside of home and work. But even then, those things take up a lot of time. And when we bring our family or take our family out of the home, we're not praying together as often. We're getting too caught up in status and like, is my kid the best soccer player on the team? Do they have Mm -hmm. the best grades? How are they doing lined up to everybody else? What are we doing to make our kids saints? Because Mm -hmm. that's ultimately the most important thing. Our number one job as parents is not getting our kids full ride scholarships. It's Mm -hmm. pointing them toward heaven.
0: Yeah. You know, Debbie,
2: recognize that early on i'm sorry to cut you off father no Go ahead. you're the guest so you get to cut me
0: off anytime you want that's all right no i was i was really glad before when you're talking about the the holy water fonts in the house and and having that there right as you come in the door or, or someplace like in, the, in in your room um, in different places around the house where there's that that place where you're just reminded of of God's presence of, of the gift of baptism uh, and one of your your glowing reviews for the prayer book of retired parents was from friend of the show Crystalina Evert uh, and that was one of the things that Crystalina told us too and she was talking especially like she talked to you about this Matt as, as a father to get the mm-hmm. holy water get the exercised salt and to to like use it to, to bless the home but coming back to what you're talking about here, Debbie, that's the whole key, isn't it? It's it's not so much about the accomplishments that your kids or your family are going to have when they go out. You know, it's it's great. They're going to contribute to the world. They're going to contribute to something. They're going to play a sport. They're going to get good grades someplace. They're, they're going to do something that is going to get noticed. That's just kind of the the nature of of human life. But when you make the home that place where it all begins, you know, the domestic church really, truly coming alive. And so, I mean, what what better way to designate your, your home as a domestic church than to have a holy water font at the door, <laughs> just like you I do have holy church, water Fonts right? everywhere, everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> you
2: know, I was just gone. I was just gone for a, a week long work trip. Um, it was one of, one of the first times I've just been like, not with my children for the week. And when my two year old woke up the morning that I had gotten home, she came into our room and the first thing she did, I, like, this is crazy to me was she dipped her hand in the holy water font and then came over and blessed me.
0: Oh, wow. The wow. The
2: first thing she did How as a beautiful Oh, it Because, and part of that is because she sees our four-year-old son and our six-year-old daughter blessing themselves literally every time they go into their rooms. I yeah. mean, they are constantly blessing themselves with holy water. And like on, um, or for Epiphany, we just got two gallons of Epiphany water and I, we're running through it pretty quickly because our kids are just blessing That's themselves awesome. all the time. And so I just want parents to know that you can do this. And- you can cultivate that relationship with God and you can make your faith come alive in your home. It requires some work on the front end for parents. Like you obviously have to get the holy water fonts and you right. have to make sure that right. they are filled with holy water. But I have not ever seen a Catholic church that did not have the holy water that at the back of the church there's an yeah. endless supply of holy water I had this moment today
0: that. I had this moment today we had first confessions today, and one of the kids afterwards uh, they're, they're just kind of milling around in the vestibule of the church and he sees the big the big holy water fonts you know where people can get fill up their own bottles and everything and he comes over and he says, "Hey father, how do I get the holy water out?" and so I showed him how to push on the little spigot, and so he just starts pushing it, and he's, he's like, draining holy water out into the little bowl at the bottom uh, that would, you know, just, like, the the regular font. And I said, hey, y- you don't have to keep draining it. There's already holy water in there. You can just dip your finger in there. And he goes, yeah, but it does this. And he does it again and just lets the water come out. I'm like, okay, stop now. <laughs> and it's the weirdest thing to have to tell a kid to stop going after the holy water because I'm so excited that he wants to know how to access the holy water. But I'll say, okay, but like, that's enough now, right? <laughs> they get so excited.
2: <laughs> and I'll say from my experience the novelty has not worn off. Yeah. For our kids, for all the time that we've had holy water in our homes. Like my right. my 6-year-old literally asked for a holy water font for Christmas because she wanted her own for her room. Like I'm telling you my 6-year-old is the awesome. same. Um, so, my two and four-year-old are working on it too, but you can just see it from the six-year-old. Yeah, right. I think right. we, we yeah. I think
0: you should keep track of how long it takes your family to go through the two gallons of Epiphany water, based on the number of children that you have and their capacity for blessing themselves, plus you and your husband. And then when you do the the, the reissue of the prayer book for tired parents, you can add that into your chapter on, on holy water, crazy. just explaining yeah, this is about charm. how much holy water you're gonna want to like budget for yeah. over the course of the year, and like <laughs> remember, of course, that it's free, but you're gonna need some gallon. Containers. And so, you know, depending on how many kids you have, you got to up a gallon every year. As they get older, you got to add more. And it's, yeah. I second this. I
2: I thought we were being excessive when I came in with the two gallons, like the two big gallon (laughs) jugs. But then I see these families with like eight kids, and each of the kids has a jug of water. So, you know, and it it works. It's so good. This is fantastic. It it is. And there are so many more holy reminders too in so many ways that you can incorporate the faith into everyday life. Like my my kids have their own little prayer cards that they bring to mass with them. And even if it's just my four-year-old holding his St. Michael prayer card and kissing it during mass. But like my six-year-old has a little pouch where she has a a spiritual communion prayer. She has an Anima Christi prayer and she's got a couple other prayer cards. And so she just sits and prays those during mass. And like right Right. before communion, she prays her spiritual communion prayer right after communion because she's making her first communion in three months. um, So she's not able to receive yet, but she still prays that spiritual communion prayer. And then when she comes back, she'll pray the Anima Christi. And you realize that yes, our kids are capable of this. And then, you know, also for Christmas, she wanted a St. Philomena statue. And I'm like, I, I can't tell her no. Like she doesn't want a pony. She doesn't want a Barbie doll. She doesn't want like, Whatever little other little girls want, I don't know. Mine just wants a St. Philomena statue and a crucifix another crucifix for her room. And you just you see the faith come alive, but but this just goes back to the whole idea of our faith being a tangible faith, and we can make it come alive for our kids. You know you can introduce your kids to the saints. My kids love the martyrs, like especially the young martyrs, and they're not afraid of it. And you know, you think of the likelihood that our kids nowadays are going to die as martyrs is less than what it was perhaps in, in the early church, but, but our kids are also going to be facing other types of persecution. And we can start yeah. to prepare that for them now and help them recognize yeah. that the most important thing in your life is to love Jesus most. And if you love Jesus most, then you don't have to be afraid of anything. And I like to take one from Kristalina's book. Uh, she's like my hero and she is my mom role model in this season of my life. I was reading her book How to Find Your Soulmate Without Losing Your Soul right before I met my husband. So, right. if you if you there are looking is. for a spouse, read her book. Um, but, but <laughs> she talks she talks about about going to battle for your kids and praying for your kids, bringing them to Eucharistic adoration and really preparing them spiritually. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not it's not to fear what's out there in the world. And it's not like we're hyper-focused on like, oh, spiritual warfare, battle. We're not we're not in it for the sake of that, but recognizing that there is a battle for our kids' souls. And part of us uh, raising our children to be saints is not just us praying for our kids, but it's also empowering them and teaching them about the faith and, and sharing with them the inspiring stories of the saints. And it's so cool. Like our favorite saints, seriously, are like, Maria Goretti and um, Saint Josephine Baquita and Joan of Arc and Saint Ursula, Saint Philomena. Um, I'm trying to think of the others off the top of my head. Saint Jose Sanchez del Rio. Like our kids go around the house yelling, Viva Cristo Rey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> They're so, so cool. I
2: yeah. love them so much.
0: They're ready to join the revolution. They're ready to fight for their faith. They're re- yeah. These they've picked some good ones. I like these heavy hitters. That's awesome. Yeah,
2: they did. And and those young kids are so inspiring for us too. That that we got to have our priorities yeah. straight. If a fourteen year fourteen year old boy, um, Saint Jose Sanchez del Rio can recognize the the importance of living your faith and and fighting for what's right, then what does that tell us as parents? as adults who are more than twice his age. A lot to learn from the child saints.
0: Right on. So what what you're really talking about is is building that culture within the home, building the culture of faith and and teaching it and making that part of your family culture, which is which is incredible and and such an important piece to to the whole way of, of living. But obviously we live in a society. And so how do we take that culture out of the home and and how do you encourage your kids while protecting them from some of the, those negative elements that are present in the culture. Uh, but let them live within this culture that that we're in, uh, and, and find support for it as well.
2: Yeah. Well, this is an area where we had gotten some pushback from, um, certain people who are close to us that suggested perhaps we were sheltering our kids by not letting them watch certain TV shows, um, not letting them, um, you know, watch, watch certain movies or listen to certain music, but, when you recognize how malleable our kids' minds are and how impressionable they are, and also how little they know about the world, we show them what's important to us and we show what should be important to them. So it's been very important for us to um, to tailor their lives very intentionally. So it's centered around daily mass and Eucharistic adoration. So we're going to adoration a couple days a week Um, you know, praying the rosary together as a family, we've changed the way we allow them to watch TV. There was a time where our kids had a tablet, but that tablet went away when we recognized Mm -hmm. that they were no longer willing to um, abide by the time limits that were set and they would throw big fits and they were playing games. Like one of the games that we had seems like it was very innocent until one of the characters started talking about crystals. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, And she had a wand and was casting spells. And I'm like, we're not doing this. Um, but it is important for us to protect our children at a certain age. And this is something that even Dr. Ray Garendi from EWTN has talked about, that at six years old, our kids are not ready to be exposed to everything. Right. And I would even argue that, that up into seven, eight, nine, ten, even older than that that they don't need to be exposed to everything. We do have to protect them and we have to form their minds and form their hearts so that when they are inevitably exposed to those things that they're prepared. Because otherwise, if they, if they start being exposed to it early and often, they'll be desensitized to it. And then they'll say, well, you know, I see this here, here and here, why is that not okay? And those are difficult conversations to have when your kids don't have the right framework yet. And when, developmentally speaking, their minds literally cannot wrap their heads around it. So, yes, protect your kids and (laughs) keep them away from the things that are bad. I'm not saying saying eliminate all TV. I'm just saying that for us, what has worked really well is to pre-screen the shows. Whenever possible, download the episode if you can so that you're not watching ads. If you find DVDs of classic shows like Our Kids Love the Wizard of Oz... (laughs) So we watched the Wizard of Oz and there are a couple other shows too. Like we we've seen them and we know that there's nothing objectionable.
1: Right. Yeah. And that speaks to the culture itself. You know, we were saying how father, father, you were saying how, how do you guard them against the culture? How do you, how do you guard them against the culture coming in and how do you prepare to prepare them to go out into the culture? But the very fact that older shows, typically are fine, right? I mean, you, the example you gave was Wizard of Oz. What immediately came to my head is like our kids will watch Singing in the Rain and will watch White Christmas. Uh, but like two, two old school musicals, you know, and they're not they're like they're PC. I mean, actually I shouldn't even use that word because PC would be the opposite of what I mean right now. But they're, but not, they're good. Not PC, but they're yeah. not not <laughs> PC.
2: We need they're... to protect ourselves from the culture too, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. if it if it's something if it's something that's not good for my kids to watch, should I be watching it? Because if I can somehow right. justify it, uh, for whatever reason, like, oh, I'm old enough, I understand. Well, maybe I'm being logically inconsistent because if it's if it would be bad for them it probably would also be bad for me and then you'll also run into like you, watching some of those shows we just watched white right christmas with our six-year-old too this yeah. i saw christmas it for
0: the show. first time this year i yeah, never saw it great. before in my life
2: it's lovely it's yeah. absolutely lovely yeah it's a it's a, yeah. W- yeah. It's a
1: wonderful movie
2: and we also watched It's a Wonderful Life. And I think she didn't understand everything in there, but that's okay. But with some of the shows, like we, Mommy, we think angels of angels are trash.
0: incorporeal beings. They don't have wings. I
2: know. I was thinking like, <laughs> theologically speaking, should we tell her that angels don't have wings?
0: <laughs> well, as, as we're talking about culture, all right, so you've got the culture within the home. And then you're you're right. We we've got a, a responsibility to make sure that kids aren't uh, exposed to the worst elements of the culture at large. But th- I I feel like there's an in between step that we always have to take too, which is to to cultivate surrounding us, surrounding the home, that culture, that community, right? So how do you find it best to cultivate that community so that you're you're not the only ones, you're not the the island. Uh, just trying to, to withstand the storm. You're part of a, a much larger group that's also complementary to the culture that you're trying to, to develop within your own home and where your kids find that they're supported. So they're not the only ones. There's also that deeper sense of support out in the world.
2: Well, I hope that you would find this interesting as a pastor, but it really does start a lot in the parish, and by having those opportunities. Um, so, I'm actually a very shy person, and it's very hard for me to make new friends. No, that's uh, not so true. I
0: don't it's believe it's yeah, so that true. true. <laughs> nah, I'm not buying it.
2: <laughs> Listen, we we got invited to a party with a bunch of Catholic families a couple of years ago, and when my husband told me that we were going to this party. I was so mad because I was like, how could you? We're new to the whole group of people and they're like between these six or seven families, there are like 40 kids. Oh wow. There are a lot of children and I'm like, is my is our daughter going to be okay? Is she going to be able to make new friends? Am I going to be able to make new friends? Are they going to think that I'm weird? But but being able to have those those opportunities within the parish is really good because then you're already setting, you're setting the stage. Like this is a family who is at mass because they choose to be, and they at least want to be Catholic enough to be there. And then from there, if you have the opportunities to get to know other families, you'll be able to see what those common interests are. And really, those are pretty much the only people we hang out with nowadays. And it's nice because when you have families with tons and tons of kids, there's usually somebody who is going to be a similar age to our children and they can play together. But those are those are our kids' best friends right now. It's it's fellow children and fellow Catholic families who are trying to live their faith. And then it's really cool because then my daughter has this new framework for like you, she sees her friends at mass and she wants to wear, she wants to wear the the chapel veils that they're wearing. And she'll say things and like, I really like your dress and they can start to have conversations about that. And they're homeschooled and our kids are homeschooled and not all of, not all of the children are homeschooled, but you can at least have that, that common, um, that, that common ground so that hopefully at least for a very long time, our children will not feel like there's anything different about the way that they're doing things. Even though we do know kids that, that go off to school and we just say, you know, some parents choose to take their kids to school. Other kids prefer to keep their kids at home to school. And we can start to have those conversations when it's appropriate and not just because she sees something that we can't control. Yeah but it's really important father for yeah. for families to have those opportunities you know you have a lively parish
0: we got we got stuff uh, <laughs> <laughs> no but I, th- I think you're right to to cultivate around your family other families you know because then think about the support that you give to those families now, on the one hand there's the uh, i want my family to have all the support possible i want them to i want my my kids my husband to have as as many people around us that are going to support our values so that we're not alone but then there's also the fact that you, as, as a family, have this opportunity to really minister to the needs of others and to make a, a huge impact in their life. And so your example is going to make a difference in the lives of the, the families that you're friends with.
2: It is. Because then when we have conversations with our daughter, you know, there are some times where as as a six-year-old, she's, she's wondering why we have to go to mass every day. And when she sees, or when she hears me say, you know that that mass is the most important way that we can spend our day because we're getting to spend time with Jesus in in His house, and then when we're old enough, we get to receive Him into our bodies and we receive those graces. Then it, it becomes consistent for her then to see, uh, to see her friends there at daily mass too, because there have been times where we've gone to mass at other places, and she leans over to me and she says, "There are no children here." Or she'll mm. say, "Why am I the only kid here?" And then it turns into, "Are people not going to mass because they don't love Jesus enough?" And I'm like, "Oh man!"
0: Just say yes. Just say yes. That's yes. why. That's and, definitely and, and, why. Yes. and we and we pray for them <laughs> because we want
2: everybody. We want everybody to love Jesus the most. Yeah. And and. Gosh, it's so important to take your kids to daily mass. And I know it's hard. Like this is coming from somebody who like I'm I feel like I'm green right now because I am so sick and like today no, we were okay. not Don't able to- Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We were not able to go to mass today because earlier I was so nauseous that like if I turned my head the wrong way, I felt like I was going to fall over. And so, but my, my husband was still able to go in the, in the morning. Sometimes we have to split up, but whenever you can, I mean, if you have to Google the parishes in your, in like a 20 mile radius of your home, do it. Dave made a spreadsheet at one point and he was like mapping it out in our Google calendar, which mass we were going to go to on Spanish which days. Spanish. And yeah, like I said, sometimes it's Spanish mass. And even if you don't understand everything that's going on, that's not required to receive the graces of the sacraments.
0: I love it. It's such a masculine thing to do. I'm going to create a spreadsheet so that we can, in an orderly fashion, determine where we're going to Mass and what we're doing. I think it's great. You mentioned Dr. Ray Guarendi before, and uh, he was on a podcast with a prisoner of mine, uh, Dr. Greg Bataro, and... Uh, Dr. Greg, in his, in his comments, said, uh, You know, I have to get my family up, and he's got seven kids. I got to get my family up and take him to an, an inconveniently timed Mass at my parish, which is my parish. Uh, so he's coming <laughs> to my inconvenient Mass with, with his seven kids. And so I'm like, I see him the next day. I'm like, Greg. What do you say? Like you're you're, you're telling you're telling them that, he, that they've got a, like an inconvenient time for mass, and then that night, uh, Ray Guarendi was here in Connecticut doing something for Veritas Catholic Network. So I had I had to go to this event. so I'm like, well, I'm going to tell him that, that I'm the pastor that has the inconvenient mass time. <laughs> it was great. It was so funny because first of all, I love that there's families that come to daily mass. I love it when there's people with children at daily mass. A couple years ago, I had a boy. Uh, he had just started serving mass and. He came to me on Sunday and he said, is it okay if I, if I serve Mass during the week? And I said, yeah, if you want to serve Mass during the week. So he came every day for three consecutive weeks during his summer vacation. Um, and his dad was like, I don't know what's going on, but he just really wants to be at Mass. And every day he was there to serve. And just so enthusiastic about being there. And he was the only kid. This was before uh, Greg had moved to the parish. But he was like so enthusiastic about, about coming, about being there, about serving, about doing something. And I think you're right. If if daily Mass is ever a possibility, or if going to Mass more than once a week is ever a possibility for a family, I would absolutely encourage it. I think you're, I think you're right on, Debbie. That's great.
2: Well, thank you. It's nice to know that a a priest <laughs> approves the things that we're talking about in the book. and there there are seasons where it's gonna be a little bit harder and and there there are gonna be times where you're you're going more, like you're you're going a couple extra times a week and you're feeling great. and then you're there are other times where you're like, I need to cut back a little bit, but it's not because of a lack of love for Jesus. It's, you know, this other, really important thing going on. Like sometimes Dave's work schedule changes and we can't go as often. Or like if he's meeting with a group of guys to go over their Lenten resolutions and be a a fraternity supporting each other. Like I can't get mad at that. Uh, But the most important thing is, you know, what, what is the reason behind this? And you, know when the COVID shutdowns happened and we were not able to go to mass, that was coming at a point where um, we had a three-year-old and a one-year-old just found out we were pregnant with baby number three. And, um, you, so a lot of, a lot of our stories are based around like when Debbie is pregnant or when babies come. <laughs> but we had just gotten to the point where we could get through most of the mass with our one-year-old without having to like haul him out. We'd milk him up. We, you know, give him everything that he needs.
0: <laughs> is that the technical term? We're going to, we're going to milk Listen, up it, the baby. Preparation. <laughs> so,
2: so Matt, here's some other, other skills that you're going to have to learn as a father yes, is like, yes. you've got to time out the naps and you've got to time out the feeding to make it so that everybody can just do their best during mass, like, and it's going to be different with every family, but it's worth it to figure that out. And even if it's time a out, perceived nap. inconvenient mass, time, time.
1: out feeding. For yes, make mass. sure that you are
2: fed and napped before mass too. Make That's sure you what you meant, yeah. You meant me, you. right? Yeah. Well, so we had just <laughs> make sure into- you fast
1: one hour before you receive communion. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And that, you know, depending on who has the homily, you can actually get pretty close to (laughs) the start of mass. But, you know, so we had just gotten to the point where we were really in a good routine and then mass masses shut down and we were not able to go. And it was just long enough to undo everything that we had done to prepare our one year old for going to mass. And even our three-year-old. So it got to the point because we also had just like eliminated Cheerios and goldfish and snacks and stuff for our three-year-old, which is a really bad habit that we got into. And I don't recommend it if you can help it because it just turns into a mess. Mm. Um, but we had just started that. And and so then we realized that it was just long enough where we could not go to mass, where everything was undone. Mm. And out of frustration, I just remember saying to Dave, like, are we just going to have to split up for mass? and just leave the kids at home and just take turns going. And there was something really wrong with that. And I knew as soon as, as soon as it was spoken that that was not what should be done. But then Dave and his brilliance was like, well, why don't we start taking them to daily mass? And I'm like, are you kidding me? We can barely get through Sunday mass. Like, Sunday mass is really hard. And sometimes I feel like it's borderline a, a near occasion of sin. Because I get so sometimes I get so frustrated, or Dave gets so frustrated, mm. and we feel like we're not able to pay attention, and we're spending most of the time in in the lobby of the church because whichever one of our kids is having meltdown. but Dave was on to something because when we started taking our kids to daily Mass, we realized that we were giving them an opportunity to practice sitting in the pews. We were giving them an opportunity to see what was going on instead of just staring at people's backsides the entire time. There were fewer distractions. It was a shorter mass. We were able to get into the routine of getting dressed to go to mass and getting out the door. And even Mm -hmm. for a while we bribed them with like juice boxes and snacks beforehand. So like, like we're prepping them before we go in. And then after like, there's a snack that you can look forward to because that's what it took to get them through mass. And it worked. And now our two, four, and six-year-old can go to Mass mm-hmm. during the week. They And they can make it through. Sometimes sometimes the little ones are a little bit wiggly, and that's okay, because sometimes grown-ups are wiggly at Mass too. But then also like we can go to adoration, and our kids can sit in adoration, and they can be okay with the silence, and they can recognize God's presence. And that's something that we would not have ever had the opportunity to do were it not for the fact that Mass was taken away from us for a while. Mm-hmm. And if that's one good thing that came out of of the COVID lockdowns is that we started going to daily mass and we're encouraging other families to go to daily mass too. Um, then I like to think it it was worth it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I want want to introduce you to, to Dr. Greg Batara then, because he, he talks about exactly what you just said, bringing the kids to daily mass to get them habituated to like help them to get accustomed to being in church and to the routine and to the basic stuff. And then also like, to, to pull away from the Cheerios and Goldfish thing um, as as much as possible because it, it does it just becomes like a kind of a, a crutch and a little bit of a, a distraction. I had a, a guy in my parish and he was he was getting his son off of the Cheerios and Goldfish routine during Mass. God bless him. And it was it was a battle. Let me tell you, he was he was having a hard time. And, Matt's
2: laughing, but he's about to learn. Oh yeah, man, yeah. it's it's, it's going to be great.
0: <laughs> so one day, one day, I'm I'm saying Mass and I look out and I see his son. As he's like looking for, for something and, and dad says no you got to sit down and the boy kind of goes okay and then dad turns back and he's kind of focused and i watch as the boy i'm not making this up and this this sounds like weird he reached into his pants and from his pants he removed a golf ball it was it wasn't in a pocket it was like his hand was in the waistband and he, he fished out this golf ball And he's holding and he's looking at it, and his dad hasn't noticed yet. And I see this boy, I'm not making this up, he smiles. And like the little devil horns come up and he, he just has this big grin on his face. And I watch him as he leans out over the pew and drops it onto the tile floor. And so a golf ball dropped by this like three-year-old or four-year-old hits the tile floor and then starts to bounce and it goes under the pew and it hits the top of the pew. So now he hear as this thing's bouncing everywhere and he's just got this big grin on his face and his dad realizes what's just happened. But like he's hearing the noise first before he realizes that it's his son who did it and it was the greatest mass I've ever had in my life and it was awesome.
2: Just a straight face.
0: <laughs> oh, you have no idea how many times I laugh when kids do silly things during church. Yeah, there's yeah, I've I've been I've been shot at by by children who point their fingers at me and like pull the trigger. Um yeah, it's it's great. Uh these kids, they, they crack me up all the time.
2: Well, all and, the, and the the pastor's the pastor's attitude about kids at mass Is so important because if we're hearing from the pulpit that it's good for your kids to be here, that makes a world of difference because we're already dealing with the insecurity of like our kid making any sort of noises during mass, or like my four year old leaning over to me and very loudly whispering, Is mass over yet? Can we go home yet?
0: (laughs) Is he still talking? Why?
2: But I mean, but then you also get to hear him like during during the consecration when he prays, Jesus, I love you in the Eucharist. Where would he get where would he get right. that? And he would not get that anywhere else, but we're already dealing with with the self-consciousness and the anxiety and the the overall stress that sometimes comes with bringing your kids to mass. And then we're sitting close to people who maybe are not so thrilled by the fact that there is a small child disrupting your silent mass experience or like, you know, there there are so many things. And I could go on and on, but I don't want to be I don't want to complain. (laughs)
0: But But you're right. But
2: but it's good it's good for your kids to be there. And it's okay if they're wiggly. And and parents, when you're when you're feeling stressed out about having your kids there, something that's so helpful for us is to pray to our kids' guardian angels because they can do a lot more than we can when it comes to offering peace and comfort to our kids. But also don't get mad at your kids during Mass. I know it's hard, and I've been there and done that. But we don't want our kids to associate Mass with punishment. Yeah, You always want it to be... Uh, a welcoming experience for them and a joyful experience and reminding them they're in the presence of God. And and I like to remind our son at, at the consecration that there are angels all around us. And I'll say, can you see the angels? And he says, I can't see the angels. And I'm like, well, they're there and And he's fascinated by the fact that there are invisible angels all around. And if that's something that keeps him occupied for thirty seconds more, then I take every little every little victory that I can or like like how yeah. many squares do you see on the ceiling? And he'll start counting um or like, what color is the priest wearing? Why is he wearing that color? Even little things that you can whisper to your kids throughout the mass to make it engaging for them but we're planting seeds every time we bring them and they're receiving graces every time they go. And if that's not a compelling reason to get your kids to mass every single day, father, I don't know what else is.
1: Yeah. I'm here now, for it. uh I would love to go back to the question that my wife asked me to ask you because she texted me again, and I, I said it wrong. She's in the other room. She was like, you did not she's say the She's listening, and she's mad at yeah. you, Matt. This is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I want to meet Renee. <laughs> yeah, she's the best. Yeah, she's, <laughs> You're going to love her. Yeah, I refer, I refer to her as a baller amongst women. She is just the coolest person I know. Um, so her question wasn't, <laughs> do you have advice on how to pr- prioritize your marriage before you have young children? It was when you have young children. So knowing that we're going to have at least one young child in the very near future, how should we be spending our time, you know, to prioritize each other?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I know it's cliche to say that the date nights are important, but I think even more so than those date nights, it's the everyday moments. So mm. th- that's the beautiful thing about being a newlywed and, and having having a baby pretty soon after you get married is that you still are going through that honeymoon phase. And I would say lean into it and love on each other, date each other, tell her she's beautiful and like really mean it. And Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. you know better than anybody else, the things that are just going to light up her soul and make Mm -hmm. her feel good. And she can do the same thing for you too, because when you have a kid, that's when a lot of the oil comes to the surface and you start to see some of the cracks in your humanity and that's really beautiful because you're working toward this together. And so, within the context of of your marriage, make sure you're still making the sacrifices for each other, and that you're still, as much as possible, doing those little day, little everyday affirmations and the small gestures of love. Like if you make her coffee, you can make her coffee and write write a note to go with it, or um, you know, leave notes. I brought her lo
1: mein home from work today. He's so good. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And, and then there's me like my husband's like i'm craving chinese food and i'm like it's not in the budget <laughs> <laughs> like i'm the one who's pregnant you're not supposed to get the cravings right
0: <laughs> what the heck is going on
2: <laughs> and it's like it's so it's so beautiful there's everyday moments are so beautiful and when you remember that marriage is a sacrament like I mean, God, God willing, you don't go to, you don't go to mass thinking like, oh man, I got to do this again. But it's something that you look forward to with joy. Mm-hmm. And I pray that that's, that's how couples would see marriage because mm-hmm. it is, it's so beautiful. And I pray that that's how you would see your priesthood too, father, that it's a joy, a joyful duty. And it's not always going to be sunshine and and roses, but even in those times where it's not, we talk in the prayer book for tired parents about being able to offer your joys and sufferings. And, you know, as, as parents in today's age, we're not, most of us are not going to be like sent to fight gladiators. And most of us yeah. are not going to be burned at the stake. And most of us are not going to be like hang, drawn and quartered.
0: I like that you say most of us, cause that implies that some of us will. Some of us of them are going to the gladiators people. and some of we us need- are going to be hung, drawn and quartered. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind too. I it, love it. It, it that's is That's the I name mean, people, of the episode. The persecution <laughs> of
2: Christians is still very real, and there are still people who are dying for their faith. Yeah, and yeah. where we are, you know, in in America, praise God, we don't we aren't dealing with. We're we're not being yeah. martyred in the same way. We're being yeah. martyred in different ways, um, but that just means that our our call to holiness is different, but it's still important. So I may not be, I may not be fed the lions, but I am called to be faithful to my to my vocation and to my daily duties every single day until the day I die. I have to mm-hmm. wake up every morning, make the conscious decision to pray and to offer my life as a sacrifice for my children and to to love my husband even when I'm not in a great mood and to do everything I can to make myself holier and to make my husband holier and to make my kids holier. And that's a different kind of death. And it's really hard And when you've got all of those other factors in there too, like that, that's why we talk so much about simplifying your life and removing those things that make it harder to be holy anyways. Like if the music you're listening to the shows that you're watching, the movies that you're streaming, if those are making it harder for you to be holy, then you need to remove them from your life. If the friend groups that you're hanging out with are not making you holier, you need to remove them. And that's not because like you, I mean, we, we just have so many things already as catholic parents in today's age that are making mm-hmm. it harder for us to be holy and so we need to we need to be fierce about it and like our our fight against gladiators is a little bit different right i guess um but
1: but if your eye causes you to sin pluck it out Pluck if it your out and causes you to sin cut it off
2: and you have to be you have to be fiercely diligent about your pursuit of holiness and also about making the most of your marriage and so If, if you're already, if she's asking those questions, then Mm -hmm. that's already a great sign that she wants to do things the right way. So way Mm -hmm. to go, Renee. Uh, you guys are already setting yourself up for success and just recognizing that things are going to be different, but you're in this together.
1: Yeah. I definitely know that. I, I, I mean, it's hilarious that you were using the word, you know, sanctifying so, so often at the beginning of this episode, because as we were driving home from work, so she works at a different school, but on the same campus as me. Um and I was like I was like, I just know raising this kid is gonna sanctify me. I just know it. Now, granted, did I work a little extra with the middle school today? Yes. But but if, that, if doesn't that doesn't make sense. Nothing will.
2: <laughs> it really does. It really does. Yeah. And and just, just knowing that now, like it's being a father is going to push you to the limits yeah. of who you thought you could be. And it's gonna give you a new why. Mm-hmm. for why you're choosing to be holy, why you're choosing to live your life the way you are.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: that's just such a beautiful gift and and when we as parents um stop listening to what, what the culture says about kids being an inconvenience or like kids keeping yeah. you from your dreams and you realize that that it's really it's I don't want to say fulfillment, but it's it's the fruit of your love. Your kids are and we should rejoice yeah. in that. But we've got to we've got to train ourselves to have the right mindset about how do we approach our kids when it comes to like discipling them and you raising them in the faith, raising them to be Catholic in today's age, and then also raising them by modeling the love of God the Father.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's been really cool. I mean, when so we we do more, I don't want to call it gentle parenting, but but when we recognize that we are raising saints, it changes the way that you talk about, or it changes the way that you talk to your kids and you interact with them. And I just can't help but think of Saint Therese, who was known for having pretty big temper tantrums when she was three years old. And Saint mm-hmm. Zayli would say that you know Therese would throw herself on the ground, like writhing around as though all were lost. And she still became a great saint. Yeah, she became saint, saint
1: Therese, Doctor of the Church. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. And so if if God can use this little three year old. And and can turn this little three-year-old into a great saint. Surely there's hope for my kids as they're writhing around on the floor like all is lost. And that right. changes the way I treat them. And there are so many beautiful insights. I feel like we could go on for hours and hours and hours about <laughs> everything that parenting has taught us about, about holiness and about God's love and about why we even bother to do the things we do.
1: Yeah. 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 So many well, tangents. <laughs>
0: That's the beauty of the show. Is that old? Whenever we
2: get old, that people are like, "Oh, I'm going on a tangent," or "Let me reference." No, we invite t- it no.
1: every single time,
0: yeah, every time. A, what What's funny is that people will say, "Well, that's kind of a tangent," and we're like, "That's the name of the show." Like they forgot the name of, right. of, we're of like, the show. We're so like, it's, "Yes, it's you great. did it right." Yeah. Right my <laughs> well,
1: alley. well done, guest.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Whichever guest, because they've all done it so much. Yeah, it's happened in every Um, episode.
1: I also feel like I should say that the middle schoolers at my school, they're good kids. I don't mean, I'm not trying to rat on the middle schoolers.
0: But look, (laughs) middle school is a crazy time. Like, I'm convinced that you you lose at least a significant chunk of your humanity for a period of about three years. And and you don't really begin to recover it until you hit ninth grade. And then it starts to come back slowly. I think it comes back first for girls and then slower for boys. And like sometime around junior year of high school, boys are like starting to become sane again. Um, yeah. But there's this no, there's this stretch where like they're just they're just off the wall. It's it's wild, yeah. and I've like I was the
1: middle I, school youth minister. So yeah. I and that's running. why and that's yeah. why being a youth minister, it's a <laughs> well, charism. I mean like, that it is.
0: So I I met Matt when he was a junior in high school at the high school where I was a chaplain, and I had come from a, a parish that had a pre K through eight school, and so I had worked with with the middle schoolers there, and then. My previous parish assignment to that, uh, I was really involved with our youth ministry, with our religious ed program. So I got to see the kids at like all these different ages and see them kind of growing up and going through all these different different phases. And I, I remember at the, at the parish where I was that had the school that you'd see these kids and like in sixth grade, they were still like really good. And then seventh grade was awful. <laughs> it was just a terrible time in their life. And then by the end of eighth grade, it was like... Hey, that nice kid is back. What happened? You know, and it was great to see because yeah. you realize, oh, this is just part of the the growing up. And so like yeah. it, it actually changed the whole way that I approached dealing with with middle school kids. Like I, I became a lot more compassionate than I had ever been before. Cause yeah. I was you know, I was once a You said it too. earlier
1: in the episode, Debbie. Hormones are crazy. They are wild. They're crazy. <laughs> They're I mean, unrelenting. It's, it's yeah. yeah. So you know, and I should be more compassionate to my students, considering I was the kid in high school skipping class to go hang out with Father Sam.
0: That's true. So
2: <laughs> I'm afraid to ask, but like I thought that you guys were not too far apart in age. But maybe Father Sam are, just finds uh, his age very well.
0: <laughs> I yeah, you, you can't see the the bald spot that's forming in the back of my head. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you can't, no, I am, I am substantially older than than Matthew here. Uh, I don't know about <laughs> substantially. I mean, I mean.
1: Yeah, fair enough. You were my chaplain while I was in high school, so, so fair enough. You're but, not you're
0: you're not 30 you yet, were, and I've been a priest for 15 years. So you're old. <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you, Debbie. <laughs> Finally, somebody's I, willing to say it.
2: I graduated from college almost a decade ago, and I'm like, I'm old now because <laughs> I see I see college age kids, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're babies. Am I yeah. old?
0: <laughs> Look. I have, I have done the weddings of at least uh, three of my former altar servers, four of my former altar servers now. Praise God. Uh, it's awesome. It's, it's the greatest thing in the world. But like, I've got a few others scheduled coming up, and I'm like, my, my kids have all grown up, and it's, it's a really cool thing. It's beautiful. But I definitely, I'm feeling the age a little bit, but it's, it's okay. Listen, there's a lot out there right now talking about building up the culture and, and how Catholics and Catholic families can do that. And there's, So a lot of ink is being spilled. One of the things that I was really touched by as I read through the prayer book for Tired Parents was how each, each section that you have includes like a little vignette to just kind of illustrate where you're coming from and, and what you've experienced, but then a real encouragement to some solid spirituality, uh, to some serious prayer. And so the the combination, not just of the, the discussion of how we have to build up the culture and how we have to take care of our families, but also how like that's got to be rooted in the spiritual life and rooted in prayer, I think is, is a really powerful thing. As, as you guys go along, you're still learning. So how, how's that lesson learning continuing for you?
2: Well, the, when we wrote the prayer book for tired parents, first of all, we wanted to make sure that there was nothing in the book that when put together as part of a whole would not be attainable. So for the parent who looks at this 350 page book and says, there's no way I could do this, there actually is. And it's, it's made to be scalable for where you are in your life, whether you're not going to daily mass at all, or if you're already going to daily mass every single day, or if you're praying the rosary every day as a family, or if you're not praying together as a family at all. And so it makes it really nice because it is scalable and you can take it to the next level. Um, and there are the practical elements that we have that it's not just a book of prayers or um, like a manual for how to pray. It's also a workbook. So you have those areas in the book where you can flesh out, here's where we are, here's where we want to be. We have a prayer journal where you can, um, you can use that however your family needs to, and there, there definitely are ways to go further. So even in our own lives, since we've written the book, we've seen that we've been able to increase our, our daily mass attendance more. We've been able to dive deeper with our kids into their spirituality, especially with our eldest preparing for First Holy Communion. And then we've been really honing in on the personal prayer. And so Dave is waking up at five o'clock in the morning and he's spending time in prayer on his own. Um, He's reading divine intimacy every day. He's doing additional spiritual reading. Um, He's part of a a global group that has a certain charism that they're diving deeper into. And that would not have been possible for Dave right after our first kid was born. Mm. That would not have been it at all. So we had to work up to it. And so I just want to offer encouragement to parents out there that that no matter where you are in your spirit, spiritual journey, you can go deeper and you definitely want to, because I mean, in one lifetime, you could not possibly attain all of the information that has been transmitted through the 2000 years of our church's history, but that's not required. Right. What's required is your own personal path of holiness. And that comes with praying together as a family, also having that individual prayer time as well. And, um, that's probably one of the biggest ways that you can make a difference in your spiritual life Mm. is by spending more time in prayer. And so we offer some ways to do that. Um, we don't go deep into Lexio Divina, for example, because that's, um, that's a different beast, (laughs) but, but even, even taking up some spiritual reading, there are lots of, um, Lots of good classic Catholic writings that you can get yeah. on Kindle for like ninety nine cents or free like Alphonsus Ligori, Francis de Sales. you can get the entire collection of St. Francis de Sales writings for like a dollar ninety nine You want to be ambitious <laughs> and so I just like to to open that up and just read it. Um, it's great for nursing mothers to just be able to sit down and read a book um, and you know Kindle Kindle's nice for that. your phone is nice for that because you can do your phone one-handed better than you can. Uh, Yeah, I didn't think about
1: that, like uh, having an e-reader, you know?
2: Yeah, or like audiobooks. Get your wife an audiobook of like Story of a Soul or Introduction to the Devout Life is great because uh, I didn't know much about St. Francis de Sales until after we had written the book. And then I realized (laughs) that introduction to the devout life is a lot like the prayer book for tired parents or vice versa. Cause I guess introduction to the devout life came first because he's literally talking <laughs> to lay people about how to be holy in their state in life. And St. Yeah. Francis de Sales says, even if you can only spend, you know, 15 minutes in prayer, start with 15 minutes in prayer. And then he goes on to say very candidly that, you know, make sure you're not doing your prayer time right after you eat or you might fall asleep, but it's just really lighthearted, practical wisdom. And, right. um, and like I said, that's an easy way to just dive into the spiritual life,
0: hmm. and go yeah. to, confession. And
2: then, go to and confession. Go to confession all yeah. the time.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. As often as you can. We just go every two weeks, pretty much on the dot. Because I'm sure you can come up with something. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> what, what do you say to parents or, or families that are, like, might pick up this book and, and think I'm too far behind? Like, we never did any of this when the kids were younger. It's too late now. Um, never or, too late. Uh, Say it again, because I think that's so important. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm with you, but like, just say it. <laughs>
2: it's never too late, and even if if you have the teenagers, like Matt, you need to get this book into the hands of every parent in your uh, in every parent
1: in your school. And, and she's father. not saying that just you to s- sell the book. You send not us copies. You send us copies. I'll send it to all of them. <laughs> I'm serious. And you know what? It's <laughs> a, it's a really strong Catholic school school too, so they'd actually really want it. And they,
2: that's good. They'd, they'd be yeah. receptive to it because, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's not too late. And actually the beautiful thing about having your kids be old enough to remember what it was like before you were praying together as a family is really important because then you can start to have those conversations about how, you know, our faith was not as important to us because we didn't understand, but now we understand better. And we realize that, you know, it's more important than your grades or what sports teams you're on or where you get into college the most important thing is that you become a saint. And when you start praying together as a family, if you haven't been doing it, it is going to be clunky. And maybe you can consider that a penance. Like I offer up these feelings of discomfort for my family's holiness, but you can start to transform your own life and your kid's life just by doing this. Mm. And what an opportunity for vulnerability with your kids, but like healthy vulnerability. Like We realized that we were not doing it the right way. But now we want to do it the right way, and we recognize that this is the most important thing for you. And so it's awesome. not too late, Father.
0: awesome, Amen. Do you do you envision like another volume of this coming out? Because you've right now you're you're writing this as a tired parent, uh, but a tired parent to really little kids. Someday you're going to be a tired parent of teenagers. God willing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm you keep doing. Up? You keep doing your job well and they're gonna make it to being teenagers, you know? And I, I think a lot of times people, in, and you've got the experience in youth ministry, so you understand how teenagers are, are, are functioning and you understand what's going on, but there's, I, I think sometimes there's a fear of those of those teen years and and what's going to come. Um, but as you're laying a foundation now, building up that culture with Dave in your home and, and kind of setting things up, this is how we want it to be, um, do you have any fears about what that future will look like, what your kids are going to be like as teenagers or, or what trying to do this will be like as teenagers? And do you anticipate doing like a prayer book for tired parents of teens uh, <laughs> as kind of the sequel to this, that you can write, like, this is what we learned as as parents of teenagers. There were so many
2: questions in there. And so I know. Many I'm things. sorry. <laughs> I, have I, no wasn't, I wasn't
0: concise at all. That was the worst kind of question. That is what we <laughs> well, do.
1: We are not concise. We will talk about (laughs) random things and we will interrupt you ceaselessly.
2: (laughs) It makes for good radio. It just keeps. We're like
1: teenagers.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, you know, I like to think that it was not long ago that I was a teenager, but I guess those days keep getting farther and farther behind me. Um, It goes
0: faster and faster, Debbie, I'm telling you.
2: And, and I, I know that we have a lot to learn from, from parents who have teenagers now about what it's like to have teens. And and God willing, if we continue doing what we're doing with the concepts that we explain in the prayer book for tired parents, and if we keep following the wisdom of Dr. Ray Garendi, um, I've mentioned him a couple of times now, and I feel like maybe I should get a cut or like, you know, something. For- right on. <laughs> he endorsed yes. our book though, if that says anything. He endorsed the prayer book for tired parents. Um, but I, I hope that we will be able to avoid a lot of the issues that other parents deal with with teenagers. Even some of the issues that I saw as a teenager, I hope that we'll be able to bypass some of those. But we'll just mm. have to see. I mean, I guess in like six years and change, I'll have a teenager, so. <laughs>
1: How's that feel?
2: <laughs> Time goes <like> quickly. <laughs> I know that's cliche, but it's true. Yeah. So I don't have plans yeah. to write the prayer book for tired parents of teenagers right now, but we have joked that you know maybe we could Get some insight from tired grandparents and do a prayer book for tired Ooh. grandparents.
0: This could be like the new version of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Remember that? No, you guys are too young to remember Chicken yeah, Soup. I remember. For the Soul. I do I'm the know only that. one old <laughs> enough here. Okay, yeah, like, I do know. Just it just came out for the, everyone.
1: It's in the library where I work, and we've we've had to like <laughs> take it away like from the some kids because it's, it's, it's
0: definitely considered an archive <laughs> item. This is this yeah. is really old. This is what they were talking about in the late '90s, and wow. <laughs>
2: Yeah, there's also, you know, like the prayer book for tired college students that can potentially that's be, a, that yeah, would be awesome. Actually,
1: that's, great. that's a great idea.
0: I say you franchise and then you can farm out the writing to other people. But like you own the, the prayer book for tired fill in the yeah. blank franchise. And then you can yeah, I think this could you could have an empire, Debbie. You could have an empire. <laughs> all other Catholic book pub- publishers will bow to you. It'll be great. Um, <laughs> I'll tell
2: EWTN yeah. and Sophia that uh, yeah. we're starting an empire.
0: Yeah. Be yeah. EWTN, Sophia, Ignatius, they're all just going to be looking to you as the, the prayer book for tired book publishers. It's, it's coming. I'm telling <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The prayer book for tired
1: priests. Oh.
0: You guys need very-
1: prayer. book yeah. for tired podcasters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, all right. Speaking of tired podcasters, Debbie, you have given us a lot of time. Yeah. And you have fought through uh, now what is not morning sickness, but evening sickness. Uh, You're a real champion. You're you're great. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Where can people find the prayer book for tired parents?
2: I would love for people to go to sophiainstitute.com, EWTNRC.com, or if you just have trouble remembering URLs, just go to tiredcatholicparents.com and we'll show you the places where you can get the book. Um, we're also trying to build up a library of articles that are relevant to what's going on nowadays. Um, but I'm also tired and like burnout from writing. So
1: <laughs>
2: we'll see how long that goes. But anyway, so tiredcatholicparents.com is going to get you where you need to go. So you can get the book for yourself, for your friends, for your parents nurse for your for parents of your school children
1: i like the idea of buying this book from my mom <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't have any younger siblings so it's it would definitely be a it would, it's be totally but, transferable to grandparent status yeah and she has those already so but you can also She's give it
0: to Mom, here's the here's the prayer book for you because I made you tired. It's my fault. Oh. But I just you want you to pray this way. Still
1: tired.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I've heard that it doesn't really go away, so.
1: Nope.
2: It's a lifelong great. membership.
1: Fantastic news. Okay. <laughs> well, well Debbie, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you. This has been awesome. The prayer book for tired parents. Oh, it's going to be great. Thanks for being on the tangent, Debbie.
2: Thank you for having me.